is a god of the game. Mondays are usually meant to be boring and lifeless but not this one as we witnessed probably the best day of international football ever. Is Spain versus Croatia the shortest ever best game? Our prediction on why Denmark and Belgium will be the finalist based on facts of course. Messi is out of job after 21 years and finally finally we are going to talk about Copa America. Decades later, when historians talk about the evolution of international tournaments, knockout games, they will split that into two eras, with episode 13 of Sports Charcha right in the middle of it. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Sports Charcha, where we had yet another set of, I don't know, bonkers games and exciting narrations to talk about. And to do that, like always, we have Ishan with us. Hi Bala. Hi everyone. So excited about this episode. So many juicy contests that got done in the in the Euros. Let's get to it. Great. So uh, you know these uh, sitcoms when they end an episode and they start the next one right from where they left off. I think this episode of ours is exactly like that because we ended the last one right when Spain scored the second goal. And then we had the episode of after or the era of after episode 13 of Sports Sarcha began. <laughs> what happened there? Oh man, what a game. Like, I think, you know, Croatia, I feel hard done by. Uh, they got a, they had a great comeback at the end when Spain were almost nigh on to win the game. But, you know, this is what international football, you know, this is what I love about international football. Drama at every corner. And this game was just full of it. Right, you know, Spain had the game all done and dusted. Last five minutes, Croatia scored two goals, equalize, take it to extra time, and then Spain just because of them having the stronger team, uh, you know, got the result, got two more goals, and it ended up five three. Right, five three. Yeah, it ended up five three. But what a game, man! What a lot of bloody game. What do you think? How did you feel about the game? Oh, it was superb. Like, like this is what the Spain. I I liked watching. This is what the Spain we loved watching over those four or five years of great dominance. And Spain, to be fair or unfair, whatever you call it, has been uh, blamed for this boring passing game with no incision for a very long time. Like this game, it felt like the Spanish players turned up and is like, you know what, we are, we are changing it tonight. We are changing that image tonight. And this pain was so much fun to watch. Yes, they had those defensive uh, frailties towards the end where they considered the two extra goals. But it was so good to see Spain play, play like this. <laughs> Especially after the first own goal went, it was one of the most comical own goals you will ever see. We spoke about this last episode also. I thought, my God, we have had a moment. We have had our moment of this of this knockout games. But by 50th minute, I've almost forgot it. And by 90th minute, it, it is completely off my memory in that what that happened. <laughs> the game had so many twists and turns. It was amazing to watch. But in the end, Croatia's players got a little tired and that kind of uh, showed during the... Uh, during the, the, the extra time. But talking about extra time, 
the guy who made the difference the guy who scored the goal at one level i'm very happy for him uh, some of the controversies that morata got into some of the abuse that he got was very unfair so i was actually happy for him at one level but what a but i think just just to close out this match i think what a standout game pedri had yeah what a player he's become this euro he's probably he's played every single minute of this euros uh, for spain and he's just gone from strength to strength he's by far one of the best midfielders coming out of this euro yeah he is brilliant uh, i think we should i think i should change my uh, the prediction that i made for the best young talent i think pedri is pretty much there on top for that right now uh, before we close this just a word on croatia uh, they i think to pura pura juice nikal diya jo bhi bacha tha i think it got squeezed out in this game and and yeah it's it's a very sad thing to end in this way i mean it's 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 actually a good thing to end this way because you ended ended your era on an extremely high note uh, it was a brilliant game but then this is pretty much it for this era of croatian players so we'll expect to see more croatian talent coming out in the future uh did you see any future talent for croatia anything anyone that caught your eye meaning the funny thing about croatia is that they're so reliant on their legends that the future talent still is modric for them <laughs> but yeah i think i think uh, you know there were a couple of good players being there was rebic who's you know on and off he had a decent game he had some couple of chances in the first half that he should have probably put away there were some clear cut headers that he had but yeah it's going to be as you said end of an era for croatia they have some young talent in the domestic leagues that might come up and you know hopefully get you know good deals in the europe bigger european clubs because that's the exposure they need they have kovacic who still young who will probably i think be the future captain for them uh, but you're going to see a lot of wholesale changes coming into the croatian team you know a lot of great great servants of the game for the country calling it uh, meaning putting in hanging their boots up for them yeah so all the best spain and all the best to croatia also, all, as well um you know when this game ended i thought like wow this is the best game ever international knockouts have changed and i had no idea what was going to follow in fact the world wasn't ready to see what was going to follow france 3 switzerland 3 switzerland's go through on penalties mbappe missed the last penalty i mean this game uh, if you have to discuss this game you need to discuss is in discuss this in phases like phase 1 being switzerland's dominance phase 2 being france showing what they can do and then phase 3 france losing it like <laughs> let's talk about they start with phase 1 i think the i think the just to highlight i think we messaged each other saying that the spain versus croatia was the shortest best game of the tournament ever it lasted an hour and a half yeah. because literally no one could have called this game like you know especially the way it happened the way it unfolded nobody could have called it switzerland absolutely dominated the first half like i didn't i don't think france had like had any clear cut chances they barely had the ball and switzerland was just by far one of like i think put in their best performance of the tournament in the first half they got the lead but then class shows right france in the second half turned on the style you could see how benzema griezmann and mbappe were you know you know combining with each other and both the goals like i think benzema scored one of the most insane goals of the tournament 
that through ball by griezmann and the first touch to get the ball under control and then chip it over the keeper i think that just oozes class uh second goal happened almost a couple of minutes later and then you saw france just completely turn on the style with pogba scoring a worldie uh like a proper top corner curler perfect and you thought that you know i think both of us messaged each other and said yo this is going to be a bit embarrassing and then france just did a control all delete end tab close all tabs <laughs> mentally there were some very stupid substitutions that came in griezmann was taken off uh, sissoko who's not so defensive was put on i i i don't know what deschamps was thinking and there were two chances clear chances switzerland had at the end of the game and they converted both of them it's as simple as that they had clear seferovic had one of the best games of his career he had you know brilliant headers both his goals brilliant headers and they equalized out of nothing if you see the last goal if you are leading a game in a knockout in the near the 90th minute actually post the 90th minute you are seven people are in the attacking side for france what how does that make sense switzerland forward were through on goal they just had to you know wrestle past lenglet i think and then shoot great finish and three all and both of us i yeah. remember we were like uh, what the hell is going on and when you went into extra time i feel switzerland had the momentum uh, they had because they couldn't believe what was happening they had the momentum and when we went to penalty shootouts meaning very good penalties taken and i remember messaging you i am so grateful benzema was taken off because i thought it was scripted that benzema would take the last penalty he would miss and it would be redemption for deschamps but no it was mbappe who took it and let's be fair mbappe probably had one of the worst tournaments by a superstar in a long time uh and it just emphasized that with his penalty complete lack of confidence great save by soma who had a wonderful game and that was it end of the tournament for the world champions an upset worth talking about for decades but i think once i think both of us also are getting to the part where there was a lot of drama that happened after the game as well but what do you think yeah i mean everything what you just said but i just want to put some word on uh, switzerland also as you said they were brilliant and one major thing i mean that one major thing that that attracted me that made me uh, like what switzerland did was once when the third goal was scored uh the coach made two attacking substitutions he just threw caution to the wind and they just went for it and that worked for them also at some level i thought france were a little too arrogant uh especially like okay lot of things were said about how pogba celebrated after his third goal it's okay it's a great goal you celebrate as many times as you want to celebrate but again you give away the ball for the third goal like you did you are taking away all the good work you just did i mean that's the quality of international level football you should be at it all the time because the opposition players you never know what's going to motivate them to put that extra effort so i think france learned a very very important lesson as a team as a group as a unit a lot of things were were bottling were boiling up and everything broke out yes uh everything broke out inside the dressing room and also outside in the stands apparently uh rabio's uh, mother 
uh, told Mbappe's father to uh, tell his son to be, you know, a bit more, uh, uh, not not more arrogant, not be an ass and all that shit. So yeah, something broke out in the in the stands. Yeah, this was such an unnecessary uh, controversy because yeah, you know, the country is reeling from a shock, and then the last thing they need is to know about turmoil within the squad, and that's also between your young players, Rabio and Mbappe, right? And it's sad. I feel it was it was so unnecessary. But as Frank Leboeuf and Julian Laurent said, it's so French as well. Yeah, like. Post the match, you just start fighting with the person next to you, and literally, Rabio uh, Mbappe's father was sitting right next to Rabio's mother during the game. And I think, uh, yeah, it's a big slap in the face for the French team. I think they need it in a way because it'll only make them stronger now. Because the squad, you know, man for man, they are the best team in the world. There's literally no competition. They just need to put the pieces together, and it'll probably work out. But yeah, man, what a game! I think we have a, a, other matches to cover. We can talk about this for a really long time. But what, what, what a game! Yeah, I just want to close out with only one congratulations to Granit Xhaka. I never knew. I mean, I knew that he can perform like this. He has performed like this. But yeah, it's a rarity. But he was able to turn his crew on and probably produced the performance of his life uh, in this game. Great. Moving on to the third. Also, just a, sorry, Bala, just to add. It's sad that Zaka will be suspended for the next game. Oh, okay, okay. He won't I didn't be playing that. the next oh, game. Oh, that, that's a shame. That's a shame. Anyways, now we talked about a lot of yeah. great narrations, a lot of great games, but the greatest of the greatest narration happened the day after, which is England versus Germany. Well, the game as such wasn't an exciting game like the previous two games, but this was a very well fought out game, and England played the moment, played the game really well and came out on top. They won 2-0. It's history because this is the first time England have defeated Germany in the knockout game ever since 1966 when they won won the World Cup. So after 55 years of pain, that too to happen in Wembley. So this game had more emotions rather than... uh, There's there's nothing much quote-unquote football to talk about in this game. More the history and the emotions. But yeah. Yeah, I think that is great to watch. Like when you saw the celebrations when England scored, it was just... You had that. You had goosebumps, even though you're not an English. I was not an English supporter, and but if you look at the match, by and large, Germ- uh, England was the superior squad. Uh, they they played better. Yes, both our frustrations still lie. That why don't they just break loose and attack and use the team strength that they have, and you know just break defenses with the ability they have. They didn't, but they were solid, like in defense. Maguire and Stones have been really good for them. Uh, Raheem Sterling, I think, obviously, I think one of the most important players for England, at least in the last five, six years, right? The clutch goals that he scores for them, amazing. And But I think the big talking point for Germany was the Muller miss. He was through on goal, uh, one nil down. He could have equalized. We don't know how the match would have unfolded after that. Uh, but fair result, totally deserved by England. Yet another end of an era for Germany. Uh, Joachim Lowe leaves the coaching position for the after 15 years uh, as, at the helm. So a lot of wholesale changes for Germany as well. 
But yeah, congratulations, England. Yeah, just a shout out to three, four players who like clearly came out on top. One is Declan Rice. He got a yellow card somewhere around the tenth minute, but he played with that yellow card throughout the game, and it was yeah. immense. And Calvin Phillips, both of them. Remember, they were up against Tony Cruz, Leon Goretzka. They were really, really brilliant. Kane scored a very, very important goal. He really needed this. He was absent. He was absolutely absent throughout the game. But when it mattered, when his team needed him, he appeared and scored the goal. And that's all international football is all about: winning the moments. And England did that. And and the point is, England is a team that weren't able to win moments over the last 40, 45 years in international football. And they did that this time. And this has given them a massive. Shot in the arm, like many part of the English media are already consider considering them as favorites, and I can't blame them. I can't tell them, "Oh, you are being over optimistic." There is an objective way of looking at it and say, like, yes, England could be favorites, and this English team, this English team, to to add one more point, under Southgate, they have got two massive monkeys of their backs. One is uh, winning a knockout game on penalties, which they did in the World Cup. and beating germany beating a massive team in a knockout uh, in in a, in a knockout stage in an international tournament so congrats to england they have a, a a game against ukraine ukraine who defeated sweden in in the last round of 16 game i mean i feel sorry for this game i really do i really feel sorry for sweden and ukraine because they are like the mahabharat equivalent of nakul and sahadev like no one cares about them i actually saw the entire game and i i think one of the best players of the game who ended up on the losing team was emil forsberg what a if you see the chances he had there was one curler which came off the post uh, which would have been one of the contenders of the goal of the tournament very bad luck for switzerland especially to go out in the last minute of extra time yeah. it was sad because i think that everyone was set up mentally to go into penalties and i think sweden the swedish defense just shut down for a second and uh, you know ukraine uh, uh, ukraine uh, took advantage of that lapse in concentration and scored a clutch goal in the 120th minute so amazing great result for ukraine great result for andrei shevchenko for people who are from the old era of football know andrei shevchenko very well not from chelsea but from ac milan uh so great result for the country as well so yeah it's going to be an interesting game actually england versus ukraine uh, obviously england being favorites yeah andrei shevchenko to talk about him he is the only ballon d'or from the country is pretty much one of the most famous ukrainians ever in a good way But yeah, again, congratulations to Ukraine. They will be playing England. I think he's the only Ballon d'Or left in the in the in the tournament. Is he the only Ballon d'Or left in the tournament? That's a very interesting point because there hasn't been another Ballon d'Or for the last ten, <laughs> eleven years. But even as a coach, I'm thinking, was there a coach who won the Ballon d'Or who is still there? No, I don't think so. Yeah, no. you're right. Oh, yeah, that's a very interesting observation. True. Was there any Ballon d'Or winning coach other than him? I don't think so, right? That all that also wasn't there. No, no. Yeah, no. Great. All right. Now, round of sixteen is done. Let's move on to the big ones or the bigger ones, the quarterfinals. Let's quickly go through all the quarterfinals. We are recording this on Friday morning, eleven thirty. So tonight, Indian time, nine thirty. The first game is Switzerland versus 
Spain. Uh, Ishan. Spain, with the way they're playing, I think Spain are the favourites. Uh, but Switzerland have shown heart. They've got, they play really beautiful football. If they can control the midfield of Spain, which is Busquets and Pedri, and keep them contained for a while, you will see Spain getting a little frustrated. Uh, but I think also what is going to be very important is the side Luis Enrique puts on the field. I think the the squad that he put on uh, again in the last game was very important. I think worked really well for them. So if he puts on the same squad, I think Spain would be favourite. Yeah, even I think Spain are favourites, but there is only one area where I'm still concerned about Spain, even though they have scored 10 goals in the last two games, is if Switzerland get organised pretty well, like if they can organise themselves in defence pretty well, I still don't see Spain able to break them up. So... I am I, I know I know there was a lot of egg on my face after I predicted Croatia was a Spain to be a boring nil-nil. Uh, but I think this game yeah. is not going to be another Croatia was a Spain. This will be more of a KG game because again the stakes are higher now. So you will see more and more KG games as we move along. Now talking about KG. Yeah. And also don't underestimate sorry, don't underestimate the fatigue that both these game, both these teams went through playing almost 120 minutes, right? Uh, so, emotional drain, it was a lot of emotional drain and physical drain. So, you might see that, you know, might see that on the pitch as well. So, yeah, they might be a little more, you know, defensive in their mind just to keep it safe, capitalize on chances. So, you, as you said, KG game. Yeah, talking about KG games, the KGest of the KG game <laughs> is happening after this, which is tonight, uh, 12.30 a.m. That is Belgium versus Italy. Belgium favourites or it's right in the middle, 50-50? I think it's 50-50. It's funny, you know, after the game that have happened, this is the game I am least looking forward to. <laughs> because And on paper, it's the best game. Like, it's two heavyweights. But because of what has unfolded in the last couple of games, the two most dull games were these. Where the ones with Belgium won and the ones with Italy won. True, true. Belgium have been dealt with a huge setback by the name of Kevin De Bruyne who's guaranteed not playing this game, as well as their captain on paper, Eden Hazard, who's also going to be missing this game. It's going to be a big miss, especially De Bruyne, because, you know, that is your engine. That is your creative outlet. And as we discussed in the episode before this, where we were talking about Belgium, their weakness is their defence. They've got an ageing defence, and Italy have a bustling young forward line. So that will be the test. I don't see it as a KG game. It will be an interesting game. It won't be boring. But I feel I have my money on Belgium coming ahead, coming out of this uh, unscathed and going through the uh, to the semi-finals. What do you think? It's going to be Lukaku versus Italian defense. Can he use his Serie A experience to uh, work around the Italian players? It will be interesting. And, and as you said, De Bruyne out, Hazard out. So the entire Belgium team is looking up to Lukaku. He is the star. If Belgium has to win, he needs to have a 9 out of 10 game. Not 8, not 7. He needs to have a 9 or 10 out of 10 game. Only then Belgium has a chance. If the interesting part is that most of Belgium's forward lines play in the Serie A. Uh, you have Dres Merton, Lukaku, uh, and you have uh, one more one more of the forwards also plays in the... But yeah, these two, let's forget the other, I'm missing that name, but these two are one of the leading strikers in the, in the Serie A. So it's going to be interesting to watch them play against, you know, Chiellini and Bonucci. Hmm, great. Now, the next game, the third quarterfinals, that's 
Saturday night 9:30 that is Czech Republic versus Denmark uh the two teams that won a lot of hearts throughout this tournament being an underdog this will be a great game i really don't want to predict i just want to watch this game and and have a lot of fun i'm i'm totally looking forward to this game i think this is going to be like the you know friday night chill session type of game where you know you just can just put your feet up have a beer no emotional stress and just enjoy some good football uh so yeah i mean i agree with you completely it's going to be a great game to watch just because of the lack of stress involved in watching it like you are gunning for both teams you like both teams whatever the result it's going to be great wonderful now going to the last quarter finals which is ukraine versus england see because england has done so well against germany you know because england are the favorites i think that is why they are going to screw up <laughs> <laughs> oh man if but it's trust england right you beat germany you do everything right and then you lose to ukraine that is actually such an england story but you know something tell me this time it's going to be different so something tells me that i think england have got it right uh, in terms of both their squad and their destiny to at least make it to the finals so i'm i'm fully on board with england going through within in this game yeah yeah even i agree i was just joking i mean it will be really funny if it happens but yeah england are clear favorites and especially the way they have played four clean sheets they are still the only team to haven't considered in this tournament yet so definitely yeah. uh, england are favorites you know one interesting uh, stat or trend i saw on twitter so 1988 euro finals was played between Netherlands and Soviet Union both were there in the same group 8 years later 1996 Czech Republic and Germany played in the finals both were also in the group group stages 2004 Portugal Greece also in the group stages 2012 Italy Spain also in the group stages so if that trend continues the only possible option will be Denmark versus Belgium finals so let's see <laughs> if that happens <laughs> won't that be something yeah it will be an amazing amazing coincidence great no that's euros all the best to the listeners to whosoever teams that you follow and good we'll expect some great games now moving on to copa america as promised we will we said that we will get back to copa america when it reaches the quarter final stage Now it has reached the quarterfinal stage. The first game is tomorrow early morning 2:30. I mean it's happening in Brazil guys. So all the games will be at ungodly hours. So 2:30 a.m. that is Peru versus Paraguay. Second game is at 5:30 a.m. Brazil versus Chile. Third game it's on Sunday early morning 3:30 Uruguay versus Colombia and the last game Sunday morning 6:30 Argentina versus Ecuador. quickly ishan brazil versus chile brazil again still massive favorites i don't see anything they are favorites but chile if you see the last 6 7 years they have been the dark horses in the copa america they won it twice uh so it's not going to be as easy as we think it is but yeah brazil have just proven to be really strong in this tournament and i see them going you know probably potentially winning it so i would give put my money on brazil moving forward a word on chile because yes they have history on their side especially against brazil but the current chile team the way they performed they were very bad in fact brazil got chile peru and paraguay on on their side of the draw 
and those three sides are pretty much the three worst teams yeah. amongst this eight so brazil have also kind of handed over a very favorable draw but on the other side you have uruguay colombia uruguay have had a mixed tournament so far they lost to argentina but they defeated paraguay and uh, peru to finish second now luis suarez hasn't been firing but suarez can fire anytime he want cavani scored a goal uh I I don't know Colombia without Hames who do you think will come out on top I still put my money on Colombia they've been playing really badly but the thing is that they still have a very strong squad uh you know they've got a great forward line they've got a solid midfield as well I still feel that it's within Colombia's you know squad and their team to go ahead and move ahead with this round but you never know like it can anything can happen colombia have been playing really badly off late by the way for those who have not been watching uh, so meaning if you base it on form colombia might be knocked out but if you just base it on you know team strength colombia will go through yeah colombia has got some great players and people who still remember colombia from the 2014 world cup they now have really exciting strikers the two strikers who play for atalanta zapata and luis muriel so both are really good anyway so uruguay colombia is done now coming to the the second favorites argentina versus ecuador argentina again favorites to win this game but you know what i have a better feeling of argentina like if you have to ask me how i felt about argentina before the beginning of this tournament to where it is right now i actually favor argentina more than what i did uh, previously i think the result depends on messi the free agent or messi the barcelona player <laughs> <laughs> so i think that that will obviously play into messi's mind as to what's going to happen uh, but if it's all sorted out before the game uh, i don't see argentina struggling in this game as you said you know they played much better with the international matches happening after the break after the season ended they played some good football they've actually started gelling and obviously messi has turned on the style but historically like england messi has been known to be gone missing when it matters uh but i still feel them feel that they'll go through with this round at least yeah you see i'm i'm thinking argentina has a good chance at least a fair chance brazil brazil are still favorites but why i give argentina more chances not just because of messi but because of two three other players one is their defender cristian romero he has been immense for argentina he was brilliant for atalanta even in fact he was voted the best defender in italy this season last season in, in serie a so he was he has been immense for argentina argentina uh, i think considered only one or two goals in this tournament so far so they have been pretty tight in defense and they have their goalkeeper emiliano martinez who had an amazing season with aston villa and more importantly messi now has someone who can understand him uh, in in papu gomez yeah. and that combination is starting to work uh, the only missing piece to me is lotaro lotaro still hasn't kicked in like he's still not the lotaro we saw in seria but if he turns that on then argentina has a real force cool so that's about it for copa america this week on speed point we have a lot of breaking news now see this is how international pr works when euros games are not happening that's when all the clubs pr uh, engines start and then they start chucking in news after news after news because they want to garner maximum attention as much as possible so to start with this we'll start with the managerial changes nuno espirito santos is now the new tottenham boss 
Uh, Ishan, I think that Fenerbahce news was, I don't know, I think it must have come out of some random news. Yeah, I, mean, I think the news, the, I read it on Twitter that he was close and he was nowhere close to being considered, even considered for Tottenham. Uh, but, you know, the deal's finally done and, you know, I'm just happy and relieved that Tottenham finally have a manager. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's the right choice. But at least they have a manager and they can start working towards the preseason. Hmm. For the listeners and to everyone, I just want to tell one thing. When I saw the news of uh, Nuno leaving Wolves, I messaged Ishan and told him, will he be the next Tottenham boss? And Ishan said, yeah, he could be. This was 21st May, guys. We predicted this more than a month before. So, Daniel Levy. There was ever any reason for you you guys to follow us. Uh, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> now, talking about controversial managerial changes, Rafael Benitez to Everton. Uh, there has been uh, split uh, views from Everton fans about this. But I think it's not a great appointment. It's, it's again, one step forward, two step backward for Everton. I agree. Because, you know, you feel that, you know, like Mourinho, Benitez is past his expiry date uh, in, you know, managing teams. But the the reason why I'm a little optimistic is that Benitez is one of the best managers if you have a project in mind. And I feel Everton have a project, a long-term project being, you know, being consistently uh, uh, playing in Europe. Not, you know, achieving the unthinkable, not doing a Leicester, but just keeping it simple and being in Europe year on year. And in that, if you have that kind of a long-term project, Benitez thrives. Uh, you know, because he'll work with the youth teams, He'll work with the stars. He won't ask for too much, too many, too much money being spent. And I think that in that way, I feel he will work for Everton. But the proof is in the pudding, right? You know, we've seen when Benitez started at Liverpool, he didn't start really well. And in today's day and age, patience is something nobody has. So if Everton decide to give him time, uh, I think in the long term, this could work really well for them. Great. Now, talking about... Player transfers, uh, we need to start with the one and only player. Uh, Ishan, you know what's the common thing between me and Messi? Uh, no, I don't know. We both are jobless. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> In history, first of... First cut is the deepest. <laughs> you know, in history, first July 2021 will be etched upon as Messi being jobless for the first time in 21 years. He is not a Barcelona player. No one can say Messi is a Barcelona player right now. But yeah, who knows? By the time you are listening to this podcast, you would have already signed a new contract with Barcelona. Because whatever we have seen and uh, heard and read, it seems like a new contract is imminent. Only the 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 final details need to be managed. But yeah, enough. I think the only, what I was reading was the only thing that needs to be figured out is the tax tax part of it. And that has always been a bit of a messy problem because of just the amount of salary it takes in. So I think that's the one thing that's left for uh, Laporta to figure out. And I think, but I think I don't see Messi going anywhere and he's going to be renewing with Barcelona. Yeah. Now talking about confirmed transfers, finally, finally the saga is over. Sancho to United is done unconfirmed everyone confirmed I think United also confirmed right now but yeah this is a proper win-win what do you think yeah but then you have Ole at the helm and he might uh, treat Sancho as Van Der Beek as uh, an unused sub for most of the games like how Southgate has been treating him you never know uh, but I think it's a great great signing finally for United 
it'll be interesting to see where he fits in though uh in the squad you know they've got great wingers uh they've got you know bruno fernandez in the center you will probably need mctominay to just be that defensive line so it'll be interesting to see where ole fits him in and obviously you still have van der beek in terms of squad strength definitely a big win for united but yeah i i'm still a little confused as to where he will fit in into the first starting 11 hmm. to me he'll start on the right but again we don't know what ole is thinking but talking about transfers to united rafael varan to united is heating up so that's going on and uh, when it comes to making big businesses psg has been doing some wonderful business this summer they are almost close to signing hakimi i think medical is the only thing that's left yeah almost done yeah and uh, done, yeah. yeah and since yesterday one other news has been heating up that ramos has agreed uh, a deal with psg a two year deal with psg and again uh, subject to medical and other things that should also be confirmed yeah, soon yeah meaning these are big names right these are big names coming into your squad i still i have flabbergasted as to how psg afford this what's happened to financial fair play because uh, ramos is coming on a free but he's not you you know his salary is not going to be cheap so i don't know how they fit in they will probably have to let people go i think they might be regretting renewing draxler at the beginning of this season uh, i don't know what the hell is draxler going to do uh, but yeah meaning I mean, Does this mean Mbappe goes to just clear up some salary space? I don't know. No. So actually, on the question of financial fair play, UEFA and FIFA have relaxed those financial fair play regulations for this season. So, oh. so, so PSG is taking full advantage of it. I'm, I'm, I was surprised to see how Manchester City hasn't taken full advantage. Maybe that's why they're going for both Grealish and Kane. What? Who knows? What if they end up with both of them? So yeah. on the on the ffp thing yeah it's been it's been relaxed for this season no wonder <laughs> and on minor updates patson daka has signed for leicester so nothing much to talk about there he is from rb salzburg now enough of football uh, let's talk about wimbledon so we have what two rounds done yeah lot of upsets major upsets already sita ke paas or sitse paas <laughs> for people who not <laughs> pronounce his name <laughs> if you guys don't know he was a finalist in Roland Garros a couple of weeks ago got knocked out in the first round uh, shocker Serena Williams who was on course to beat Margaret Court as the absolute number of grand slam uh, champion uh, she had to retire hurt in the first set when the game was at 3-3 Federer sucked balls in the first game took it to five sets and the player he was facing retired so he got lucky but yesterday in the second round you saw his class and he was just dominant djokovic is just being djokovic consistent and yeah i mean it's proving to be quite an interesting there was one uh, one starlet coming out tefoe uh, from the usa he played i think one of the amazing, one of the great games in wimbledon and i think what that's what's amazing about wimbledon every year we see one surprise and i think the last american surprise was back in 96 or 95 malavai washington versus richard krychek as a wimbledon final 96 yes, 96 96 and i think we've never seen an american coming back and creating surprises in wimbledon so all the best to him i hope to see him in you know in the semis or the final yeah great wonderful wonderful so wimbledon is also going really well in fact if i remember right i think post malavai washington 
did andre agassi play a final okay fuck it i don't remember let's don't go there rodic rodic did rodic did oh rodic did oh. yes rodic did yes all right guys that's enough for today we have had a lot to talk about and next time when we come back we'll have the semi finalists ready for both copa america and for euros and we'll talk about all those quarter finals game and we'll preview the semi finals so until then it's bye from bala bye guys all the best for your games take care see you next week thank you everyone for listening if you enjoyed what you heard please make sure you hit the subscribe button and also please like they're literally begging to rate our podcast on whichever app you're listening to it not only helps us but also new listeners to easily find our podcast you can also reach out to us on twitter at the rate sports charcha a big shout out to the jam room audio for our theme music you can follow the jam room on facebook at the rate the jam room audio bye